What's going on, Cage Nation? Your boy Kendrick Gray, the Dreadlock Brother, here back with another podcast episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Of course, as always, if you like what you hear or like what you see, please be sure to go to all the social media links in the description box. I can be found on Instagram, definitely YouTube, Facebook, Discord, uh, Anchor, all these other different places and stuff. So yeah, just uh, give me a like, give me a comment, give me a share, give me a subscribe, give me a follow. All those things are definitely welcome, and it helps me keep the show going. All that being said, let's get right into it. So, as we all sit and wait for all these votes to be counted up in this crazy, 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 crazy ass election, um, I got some time to do some YouTubing and check out some videos that I haven't been able to watch in a while. And um, one video actually stuck out to my mind. Um, um, the car- uh, the video channel or, or the channel's name is um, Polano uh, I think it's Polano Productions if I'm not mistaken and he listed all the things that he didn't like about WWE now I've been a lifelong WWE fan for as far as I can remember ever since back in the early 90s during the coming down to the Federation years even to the um, Attitude Era which I was a big fan of I was there for the whole run. The Ruthless Aggression Era, which gave rise to John Cena and Brock Lesnar and those type of wrestlers, to even to the PG era and to where we are right now in present day. That is not to say that WWE is not without fault. Anyone who watches professional wrestling or wrestling entertainment these days knows that WWE has definitely had a lot more misses than they have hits within the past couple of years or so. Whether it be from booking to storylines to who they bring up to the main roster, you know, things like that. And all of this could almost be attributed to one person, and that is the man himself, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, who is the chairman and owner of the WWE. Now... In 2020, this year is almost over. We got about two more months. Technically, we have about two more months, but, you know, 2020 being what it is, it may try to stretch itself until the next 10 years or so. That, of course, is very far-fetched, but I'm just, of course, just trying to lighten the mood up a little bit. In any case, I do feel that if WWE plans to survive in the next decade, There are a couple things that needs to be done, not only on screen, but behind the scenes in order to secure a spot as still the top promotion in professional wrestling. Now, I can't really say much as far as AEW is concerned, because truth be told, I don't really watch AEW. I mean, the concept of it is great, don't get me wrong, and I know a lot of the talent on there is really good, but I'm just not really invested in it enough to watch um maybe i will later on down the line when they get some more talent or when things start to open up a little bit more you know once the pandemic is kind of over but as far as it stands i'm much more prone to watch wwe than i am to watch aew it was the same thing with me with wcw i did the same thing too i watched more wwe but once wcw really came into its own i was literally back and forth with it but I'm digressing from the point. The point I am trying to make is that, in my honest opinion, there are a couple things that WWE needs to look at 
in order to survive the next decade. I have about 10 items on my list on things that WWE needs to do. So I'm probably going to start from number 10 and work my way all the way up to number 1. So that's pretty much how I'm going to do that. I don't know how long this is going to be, but I'll try to go in depth and as detailed as I possibly can. Some things are going to be a little bit longer than others, but some of them don't need to be longer than others. So, all that being said, here's how I think WWE can survive the next decade. And we're going to start with number 10, and that's going to be a simple one. The booking has to get better. Um, we've spent a great deal of time watching maybe the same, same set of wrestlers battle each other week in and week out show after show, pay-per-view after pay-per-view, it gets boring. There's a lot of talent that really want to try their hand in the WWE um, universe. And the WWE has a lot of talent to spare between Raw, SmackDown, NXT. I'm guessing 205 Live isn't a thing anymore. I haven't really been seeing much about it, so I guess that's not a thing anymore. I think at this point, we really need to start utilizing the people that are disposable. You know, you look at the cat, you look at um, Tess Towns as John Moxley or Jack Hager, and even, um, what's his name? Um, damn, I'm, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Um, Zack Ryder. All of them who have either won a jump ship or have already jumped ship to AEW. John Moxley has gone on record to say that the Booking for WWE is not that great at all. I think if WWE is really trying to go into the next decade on a strong note, they really have to look at how they're booking a lot of their talent. You know, it's not every day that we need to see, you know, Bobby Lashley take on, I don't know, Ricochet or, you know, see, um, you know, Randy Orton in battle, um, Drew McIntyre, even though those were a good set of matches, that's not something we need. And I think the only reason is that, excuse me, as I drink my chocolate milk, the only reason is that we're not putting a lot of the talent up in the forefront, up into the main spotlight, that they should be there. There's a lot of talent within a WWE's roster, talent that hasn't even seen airtime within a not even within the past couple of weeks, but I'm talking about the past couple of months, there's a lot of talent that hasn't seen airtime. And to me, it's the waste of a talent. I know it, you know it, and even the talent themselves knows it. So we have to get our booking in order. We need to start putting some stars at the front from building new main event superstars in order to carry this thing to the next level because, as we all know, these stars don't get any younger. They get older. Some of them put their bodies on the line so much that they can't, they got to retire early. Lucky, listen, as much as I love The Undertaker, you know, I'm glad that he decided to finally retire. He can't, he can't keep doing this anymore. He's up there in age. Like, he probably, not even up there in age. He just put his body through so much being a part of the WWE roster that he's more than earned his break. He's more, he, he's put in his time. He's earned his break, so that's where I think we need to start. We need to start with some booking. We need a book better. Number nine, don't appeal to every fan. Every generation has a set of fans. 
you know, there are going to be, there's always going to be fans of the Federation years, you know, the Hulk Hogan's and Randy Savage's and Ultimate Warriors. There's always going to be a fan of those. I'm a fan of them. There's always going to be fans of the Attitude Terror, the Stone Cold, the Rock, Mankind, the Ministry of Darkness, Big Show, Mr. McMahon himself. There's always going to be fans of the PG era, the, the um, Ruthless Aggression era. There's always going to, every generation is always going to have its fans. That being said, you cannot continue to try to appeal to every single fan in today's wrestling world. The talent that you have on the roster right now, they're going to appeal to a certain demographic that watches the program. A lot of the younger, a lot of the younger kids, they're going to gravitate to someone like Ricochet or even Mustafa Ali and perhaps Retribution. You know, there's going to be that generation of people that are going to gravitate to Randy Orton. And I mean, I'm to think of it now. I don't think anyone in Randy Orton's class is still around. John Cena's off trying to do movies. Um... A lot of people in his in his time are gone. CM Punk, he's kind of not there. I mean, Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan is still around, but his main focus is to trying to put people over, which is, which I think is probably the most admirable thing that a wrestling talent can do is try to put the new generation of competitors over, because we all know how behind the ring politics plays, and a lot of these guys don't want to give up their talent. They don't want to give up the spotlight. The, um, the term, I believe, is called burying the talent, which is something we've seen a lot of, of older wrestlers do in the past. We can't... Every generation... Again, again, like I said before, every generation of fans is going to have something that they're going to gravitate to. Whether it's the Federation years, the Attitude Era, the Ruthless Aggression Era, PG Area, or the current timeline right now with professional wrestling. Your goal as a business is always to gravitate gravitate to the next incoming customer. The next generation of viewers, you know, patrons, participants, that's who your target is going to be. While ideally, and I know this is something Vince McMahon is a big fan of, ideally, he likes to have his champions be huge, be these big muscular guys. Again, going back to the Federation years, that's what his M.O. was. But a lot of people don't look like that anymore. A lot of people look like Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns or John Moxley. A lot of these people look like Daniel Bryan, which is why Daniel Bryan became so popular with his Yes Movement because he kind of embodies what the current generation looks like. You know, having huge muscles isn't as popular as it used to be, despite what a lot of people are trying to say. You know, now the mode is be, being lean, muscular. Like, I'll give, I'll, I mean, I can tell you right now, people like Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, um, even Daniel Bryan, those are the, I mean, even Drew McIntyre, those are the body, those are the bodies that people are kind of aspiring to. Aspiring to be defined, but not huge, that you can't move. Like, to a degree, even... People like Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar, you know, even them, they're not super huge, but they can still move. You know, it's about following the market. Who's going to 
who are you going to display that's going to put people in the seats to watch these shows? Again, you're not going to get everybody, but those fans can always have those things to look back on. If they want to go back and watch the old school stuff, they can go ahead and do that. Times evolve. Things change. This is how it has to happen. So that's what I think that would be the next step. Is just, just understanding that you can't appeal to everybody. You're always going to have fans. You're going to have more fans than you're going to have non-fans. That's kind of pretty much how it goes. Number eight, separate the athletes from the actors. Now, this kind of coincides with something that's a little bit higher on this list, but we'll get to that. What I'm strictly talking about right now is separating the talent from those who can put on a good performance to those who can put on a good show. Now, there's a difference. The athletes, those are the ones who can put in the work in the ring. Those who can, you know, take certain bumps, sell moves. Like a prime example of someone like that is Dolph Ziggler. That guy can sell his ass off. But he doesn't get a lot of airtime. You know, but he's a very extremely talented wrestler. Like people like Dolph Ziggler, Ricochet, Mustafa Ali, you know, Cedric Alexander. You know, a lot of the guys that are from like 205 Live that should have been incorporated into the main show. Like, one thing I'll give WWE a little bit of credit for was like having segments of 205 Live matches on the main show, like specifically Raw. But as we noticed, we haven't, they haven't been doing that. And I know Pandemic has a part in playing in it, but I just feel like, again, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think 205 Live is a thing anymore. I think it's done with, and I don't know why it happened that way, but it just did. That chocolate milk is good. In any case, we got to separate the talent into two different distinct categories. Those who can work their ass off in the ring, and those who can really portray the characters the way they're supposed to be portrayed. I look at someone like Bray Wyatt, who came, who originally started as Husky Harris. And then revived himself to becoming the eater of worlds, Bray Wyatt. You know, creating the Wyatt family with Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. And then reinventing himself again to become the fiend. You know, not everybody can do that. And I understand that almost every performer on the WWE roster is essentially an actor. They are a, they are a specific character. But if you look at someone like Bray Wyatt or The Undertaker or Kane... Or even someone like Mustafa Ali with um, Retribution. You know, you have to look at those type of performers. And you got to put them kind of in a realm all their own. Because if you put someone who is a really good actor. And they could be very, they could be very well be a good performer as well. Because let's just, let's be real. Bray Wyatt is a very, he's a pretty good wrestler. You know, given his character portrayal, he's a pretty good wrestler in his own right. But if you want to create matches where you got a certain personality that's a strong one, going up against someone who's a very talented performer themselves, not just an actor, but a very good, talented wrestler, you have to look at creating different scenarios with that. Again, that goes back to booking. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna come out and flat out say it like if anyone should have retired the Undertaker, 
it should have been either Bray Wyatt the Swamp Man or Bray Wyatt the Fiend. To me, that just kind of writes itself. And when you when you miss opportunities like that, it kind of devalues what that character is supposed to be. You know, it, it, it just doesn't fit. So, like, if you got a very, extremely talented actors, like let, let, let's 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 look at let's look at Roman Reigns for a moment. You know, during his face run, or even during I mean, let's look at his time during the Shield. You know, he at least had you know Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose as other mouthpieces to represent the group. His solo run, when the Shield finally disbanded, you know, it became an issue because of the fact that he didn't really have, or at least the, the lines that were being fed to him didn't really fit his character. It didn't really make any sense. What they did with Seth Rollins was great. What they did with Dean Ambrose was great. But it's kind of seemed like Roman Reigns, who was supposed to be the man that was supposed to take the place of John Cena, kind of got shafted into the creative department. What they're doing with Roman Reigns right now, I'm going to be honest with you people, it's one of the only reasons why I'm even watching SmackDown. Roman Reigns as the Tribal Chief is the only reason why I'm tuning into SmackDown. Other than that, I was only really tuning into SmackDown for the talent. Raw might be the better presented show, but I think SmackDown has the talent. I think that's kind of always been the case over the years. But I have to say, Roman Reigns as the Tribal Chief is just great storytelling. It's great storytelling. And we don't get a lot of that anymore in, in um wrestling. And that's part of it. You know, which brings me to number seven. Let creative get creative. I've known a great deal of writers that have come through the doors of the WWE. I know Patrice O'Neill at one time was a writer for WWE. We all know that at the end of the day, a lot of these things have to be approved by Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon is a man that's trapped in a certain time frame. I mean, the Attitude Era was a different story because the Attitude Era, you know, everything just kind of came together in the Attitude Era. And the fact that, and I think the fact that he inserted himself into a lot of the storylines, I mean, I would at least thought kind of opened his eyes to the creative process a little bit more because now he's on the front lines, but his he's on the front line with his guys. So now he has to put in the physical work too in order for it to sell. Creative as of the past couple of years hasn't been that great at all. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's had its moments, you know, shield. Excuse me, Shield, Wyatt family, you know Randy Orton. Randy Orton is just a, he's just a performer that doesn't really fail. Like if anyone's been been as steady in their career as far as success and popularity, it has to be Randy Orton. You know, people for for all intents. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I like the guy himself, but as far as John Cena is concerned, there's a reason why a lot of people didn't really like him, or rather, a lot of guys didn't like him. Yeah, a lot of the kids loved him because he's like a superhero. He looks like Captain America, and a lot of women because loved him because, again, he looked like Captain America, but the reason why he didn't really resonate with a lot of fans is because he was almost repackaged as a new millennium Hulk Hogan. 
And that's kind of how that was for John Cena. He was pretty much repackaged as the new modern day Hulk Hogan. And even at some point, Hulk Hogan recognized that he had to change his gimmick up. Otherwise, it was just going to go stale. Hence why the heel turned to become the leader of the NWO, which I don't care what you say in any res- in any wrestling promotion, the creation of the NWO with Hulk Hogan turning heel is still one of the greatest storyline swerves in wrestling history. And you can fight me on that. It is the greatest wrestling swerve. It revitalized his career in such a great deal that he probably had no idea it could have gotten that big. They could have done the same thing with Cena, but for some reason, they wanted to play it straight. Even though we live in a world right now where a lot of people gravitate to villains, they gravitate to heels because they have more fun. So, it's it, it says a lot when you don't let creative try these things out. You know, look at what's going on with Retribution. There's so much that there's so much that could have been done with Retribution to make them into a substantial heel faction. Yeah. I will admit, adding Mustafa Ali to the list as the leader of Retribution is great, but what are you doing with them? They're taking losses. That doesn't help. That doesn't help at all. The reason why the NWO works so well. Because not only did they have a prominent face who was not a heel leading the faction, but every week you tuned into Monday Nitro, somebody else was joining the NWO. So their faction was not only substantial, but it was growing. You look at something like the Nexus with Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett, who was a man that won, I believe, Tough Enough or something like that. He won Tough Enough. So he was obviously being built to be the next main event guy or the next big star in WWE, and they kind of squandered that. Now, the Nexus, especially their introduction to the main roster, was phenomenal. That is that is great writing right there, but they just let it kind of squander away, and that could have been because backstage politics, things like that, but you got to ask yourself... Why do you think so many gimmicks that are introduced in the beginning don't last too long? Unless they were introduced years ago. So we have to let creative, we have to let creative do his job. You know, and part of that is also allowing wrestlers to explore their character. Again, you look at someone like Bray Wyatt, who was allowed to not only create a character such as, you know, the Eater of Worlds. You know, the Swamp Man type of character. He was also allowed to get a character like The Fiend. A character that people resonate with a great deal. I love The Fiend. I love him a great deal. And I'm just hoping that at some point, you know, they let let his character progress even further the way he wants it to. Now, interestingly enough, the Fiend is one of those characters that doesn't necessarily need a title. He doesn't need to have a, hold a championship. Another another person that I was like that was Jake the Snake Roberts. He was another performer that didn't necessarily need a title to, you know, show off his dominance on the roster. His his mic skills enough alone and his ring psychology was enough to garner him the popularity that Jake Roberts still has today. It's the same thing 
with Bray Wyatt. Sometimes you have to let these performers explore their characters a little bit more in order to get the most out of it. You know, creative has to be allowed to create. You know, and just certain things you gotta like, and a lot of things comes down to trial and error. What is what do you think is going to resonate with fans? If it doesn't resonate with fans, you can change it up. And the beauty of this is that you can kind of change it up on a fly. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing unless, you know, you decide to go that way where a wrestler needs to take time off and come back. Again, Roman Reigns took off because of the pandemic, so he didn't want to endanger his family because he had a new set of twins getting ready to be born. Once he came back, and I believe the story is written that, when he talked to Vince about coming back, he had talked to Vince about coming back, but coming back as a heel. He made the decision to come back as a heel rather than come back as a babyface. And then teaming him up with Paul, I'm teaming, teaming him up with Paul Heyman. To me, one of the best, one of the best on mic personalities that to ever be acquired by WWE. To me, it's a match made in heaven. It, it works so perfectly. Like, if you really haven't been tuning in to the Tribal Chief storyline, you're, you're really missing out. Because while the matches themselves haven't really been all that great, especially since he's been feuding with his cousin Jay Uso, the story within itself is awesome. And you can chalk this up to any movie you've seen. What Think about the movies you've seen where the action may not have been all that great, but the storyline was so compelling it kept you watching. And vice versa. Maybe the storyline isn't all that is chalked up to be, but the action that is happening in the movie is what's keeping you invested. It works both ways. You just gotta know. You just gotta figure out. Again, this goes back to separating the athletes from the actors. You just gotta know who can do what. That's really what you gotta look at. And you gotta let them build themselves up, which leads me into number six. We have to leave the legends and the Hall of Famers where they are. It's very easy to call upon people like Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, you know, Christian, Edge, The Big Show, you know, all these guys. It's very easy to call these guys up from the past to come in and help out the new talent. I understand that. But let's at least try to let the new talent establish themselves first and try to get themselves over beforehand before we even try calling back the old cavalry to come and help out. Because here's the thing, you're calling back talent that is extremely popular and is still over with the fans. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. But now what happens is they're overshadowing, overshadowing the current talent that's trying to get themselves over, you know. Let's look at Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre, when he first entered the WWE, he was dubbed the chosen one by Vince McMahon himself. Unfortunately, that didn't work out. He went off to TNA where he kind of made a name for himself and kind of rebuilt himself back up in his reputation. He made his way back to WWE, WWE via NXT, where he was able to really gain, really gain prominence and even capture the NXT championship. And it's then where it was decided that Drew McIntyre would be called up to the main roster. Now, it took a couple of years, but Drew McIntyre was finally able to nab the WWE Championship. The unfortunate side to that is he dabbed, he nabbed the championship in a time where the pandemic is incurring. So 
he didn't have that fanfare or that fan reaction that he should have gotten if it were like a live show. That would have really sold it. But either way, I, did, I definitely did enjoy his run as WWE champion. Him dropping into Randy Orton, I can kind of dig that too. Because you have to believe at some point he's going to get the championship back at some point. It may, it may not even be the beginning of next year. It'll probably be sometime middle of next year. We don't even know that. But it's, it, it has to be where the talent themselves has to put themselves over. Like, if you, if you need someone from the past here and there, that's one thing. But we cannot allow them to can come in and overshadow the current talent right now. Now, if it's, if it's done the right way and they can put over the new talent, that's one thing. But we need to not make it a habit of bringing them in on a consistent basis to do it. Now, I mean, I will admit what they did... How it was done with Randy Orton and his return to being the legend killer. Good storyline. Good good story writing. Because cause I have to say, aside from being the Viper, being the legend killer was one of Randy Orton's best personas over the course of his career. Taking out people like Mick Foley and, you know... Uh, Sergeant Slaughter is, um, and Jake Roberts taking out character, taking out performers like that, you know, is a good and that's that's a good builder. That's a pretty solid builder. But again, they're Hall of Famers and legends for a reason. Let them stay that way. I mean, let's be real. We don't really want the Undertaker, you know, constantly showing his face after retiring. Although we love the Undertaker, and Lord knows we love the Undertaker. We don't want to see him all over the place just to be used as a prop. We don't want to see that. You know, we have to let the talent build themselves up by their by themselves, you know, on their own merits. And we have to stop playing. We have to stop playing them out, which leads me into number five. We really need to stop playing out the women's division. Now, don't get me wrong. Getting rid of the Divas Championship was the best thing WWE could have ever done. The greatest thing they could have ever done. And reestablished the Women's Championship. That's great. But it still feels like the women are still scanning the short end of the stick as far as TV time. Now, we have a great deal of talented women on the roster. And more coming up from NXT. But we're not giving them, we're not giving them the just do like the men are getting. I did. I mean, the only. I mean, let's think about it. What storylines are the women having right now that are really standing out, aside from Sasha and Bailey in their feud? Think about it. The only other one that you can think of is, and that's just for SmackDown with um Sasha and Bailey. That's just on SmackDown. What do we have on Raw? We have the women's tag team champions Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, and everyone's getting ready to get ready for Survivor Series at the end of the month. And right now, Lana is being thrust in there because she's now the team captain of teams, Team Raw for the women's division. What else is going on? I mean, Bianca, Be Bianca Belair, she came onto the scene a few months ago, and then she was out for some reason. I don't really know why. But now she's back. She's on SmackDown, and she's competing. You know, you can't build someone as being the EST of the WWE, and we're not putting her in more stuff. 
especially considering what she's done in NXT. So we need to, in my honest opinion, we need to start devoting a lot more time to the women's division to really have them stand out because trust me, the women's division is probably doing some stuff that can definitely rival what the main roster is doing. And if we can't really get on board and push them forward, then no one's going to really take to them. Like the first thing we need to do, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit later in this, but the tag team championships should not just be exclusive to Raw. Yes, the talent that has the titles are from Raw, but it should, like, I was under the impression that the tag team champions could pretty much go anywhere. They didn't have to stay on Raw. They can go to Raw. They can go to SmackDown. If they want to go to NXT, they can go to NXT. That's what I was under the impression of. But apparently I was wrong. So we kind of need to fix that. And I'm going to touch on those. And I'm going to, I'm actually going to be touching on that real soon. But if we really want the women's division to really stand out, we have to put them at the forefront. You know, they shouldn't be having like one or two matches a pay-per-view. They should at least be having maybe... If not even half, then maybe a quarter of the matches, depending on what the pay-per-views are like. And the pay-per-views I'm going to be talking about in a minute, too. But we really need to give them their time to shine because they put out, they perform just as hard as a lot of the men do on the roster. And they deserve to have their time shown. Um, I believe there's a there was a women's division centered on pay-per-view that was out. But, um, I, don't, I mean, I know a lot of the pay-per-views have been like, kind of scarce and it's kind of been slowly back since they've been doing the whole Thunderdome thing but there should be a lot more than that which actually brings me to my next um next music my number four the pay-per-views I feel should be limited I remember a time and again this is kind of nostalgia talking but I remember a time where pay-per-views were like almost every other month. Not even every other month. We had like a pay-per-view every couple of months. Like the main pay-per-views for WWE were simply Royal Rumble at the beginning of the year. You had WrestleMania in the spring. You had SummerSlam in the summer. And then you had Survivor Series in November. Those were practically the main pay-per-views that you had. Uh, and then, you know, you could throw in the King of the Ring. We had the King of the Ring in there, too. So it was really just the five pay-per-views that we had. Then, you know, we had started having, like, things like Backlash, you know, which is a pretty decent pay-per-view. We had Backlash. We had, you know, once WWE acquired WCW, then we had the Great American Bash. We had um, Hell in a Cell, Elimination Chamber. I mean, we, we literally have a pay-per-view every single month. You literally have a pay-per-view every single month. And while it was cool for a time, I think at this point, I think we can kind of drop some of those down. Now, granted, some of those pay-per-views have been relegated to some, you know, TV shows or special or special presentations and stuff. Notably, the King of the Ring. The King of the Ring has become like just a TV-oriented, you know, event. I say, let's do that with a lot of other ones that don't really need to be on pay-per-view. For, for I mean, let's look at Hell in a Cell. You know, the people who had Hell in a Cell matches were Jay Uso versus Roman Reigns, Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre, 
Um, Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Other than that, you know, no, who else really had a match in a cell? Or the Elimination Chamber, for that matter. You know, I, I honestly feel that some of these pay-per-views could be basically relegated to just special special episodes of Raw or SmackDown or something like that. You know, so, for instance, King of the Ring. You know, we can limit those to like a Monday Night Raw or a SmackDown. You know, on tonight's episode of Raw, we'll be hosting the King of the Ring. Or on tonight's episode of SmackDown, we'll be holding the Elimination Chamber. You know, something like that. I mean, you may not see the revenue returns if you were ordering it from a pay-per-view. But you'll definitely receive the viewership. Because people are going to be more prone to turn into the shows on TV than if they were for a pay-per-view. You know, it's very easy to just click on a TV and watch something and it's to just get your wallet out <laughs> and pay for a pay-per-view. If you don't have the WWE Network, that is. And I don't, I don't have the WWE Network anymore. I stopped paying for it last year because there wasn't a lot of things on there that really interested me like that. Now, I know there's a free version of it, and maybe I'll subscribe to that. I am not sure yet. But the fact that remains is that, like, there's a lot of events, a lot of pay-per-views that should be just relegated to shows. I mean, look at, look at what NXT is doing. They just recently had Halloween Havoc. That wasn't even a pay-per-view. It was just a there was just an episode of NXT. As far as it stands, NXT has been doing a lot of things right that the main roster or the main product should be doing themselves. They could take an, they could take a couple of lessons from them. In fact, they could take a lot of lessons from them. But until that happens, you know, you're gonna get these somewhat bad returns on these pay-per-views because again, sometimes we don't need a pay-per-view. Sometimes we just want to watch the regular program and have it built up to the next pay-per-view. Remember those? Remember when certain matches would get built up into the next pay-per-view? So the anticipation was building. It was creating a lot more story. Now, you know, you finish one pay-per-view one month. You got to start working on either continuing one feud or building up a new one for the next pay-per-view. That's too much of a short turnaround time to try to get these things out. At least give yourself a little bit of time to build the story up and have people invest in the story. Otherwise, it's gonna be it's gonna appear lackluster to people. And that's that's what's been happening over the past couple of years. A lot of people have been feeling kind of cheated in some of these pay-per-views because the build-up wasn't all that great. So it's um I don't know. It it, it it's 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 very um to me, it seems like the easy fix. You can you can literally relegate relegate a lot of the smaller pay per views to just re regular airings of Raw and SmackDown and NXT, you know. Or even if you want to do something sort of do like something on a set, do a Saturday event rather right, as opposed to a Sunday, you can you can do that. I mean, let's let's let let's let's think logistically here, people. We can honestly, you know, shorten these things down to. Just regular TV shows, and it would probably bump the viewerships up for a lot of these shows. So, it's, and it brings me to another point that I have to make up. As I was talking about pay-per-views and building up these matches, we should have brand-oriented championships. Now, granted, NXT has their own set of championships. They have the NXT Champion, the NXT Women's Championship, the NXT Tag Team Championships, and I believe... 
the NXT North American Championship. Raw has the WWE Championship now. The Raw, the Raw Tag Team Champions. The Raw Women's Champion. You have the United States Championship. And yeah, that's about it. SmackDown has the Universal Championship, which to me is probably the stupidest idea I've ever heard. I, I, I am not a fan of the Universal Championship deal. That it, it's it, it's dumb. It, it, it's really dumb. You have the SmackDown Women's Champion. You have the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. You have the Intercontinental Championship, and that's about it. A few, I think maybe two months ago, I think two months ago, I did a video on my YouTube channel. Please go like, share, comment, and subscribe. I did a video on how I would have... How, how I would distribute the championships in WWE. Because I've gone on record to say this before, and I will say this again. I am not a fan of the brand split. I, I, I hate the brand split. I've always hated it. Every time they've reintroduced it, I've always hated the idea that now both of these shows, Raw and SmackDown, are now pretty much two completely different shows. I'd much rather have a combined roster and just have people compete on both shows. It To me, it doesn't really matter. It's all the same roster, so let's just combine them both. And all that being said, if you got rid of the brand split, you can essentially solve the championship problem. You can solve it. Essentially, you'll have one championship. You'll have the WWE World Heavyweight Championship like it's supposed to be. You have the WWE Women's Champion. You have the WWE Tag Team Champions. If anything, I mean, because, I mean, if we're looking at the United States Championship, I've always pictured the United States Championship to be like the Intercontinental Championship. That's always what I consider it. Even though, as Sami Zayn just explained, the Intercontinental Championship means you're representing different continents in the world. To me, that kind of sounds like the World Heavyweight Championship. So, if anything, and I know the United States Championship was brought in from WCW. That's where it came from. I know the Intercontinental Championship has been a long-standing staple in WWE. But, I might, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it might be time. and It might be okay to retire the Intercontinental Championship because... If you have the Intercontinental Championship, which essentially like a lesser version of the WWE Championship, what, then what's the point of having it? If the WWE World Heavyweight Championship means World Heavyweight Champion, you're already representing the world. You're representing every continent and country on the planet if you're the World Heavyweight Champion. So, by all accounts... You can get rid of the Intercontinental Championship, get rid of that, and just keep the United States Championship. That's fine. And that's one of the things that I think WCW definitely handled way better. You know, you have the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, or rather, you have the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, and then you have your WCW United States Championship. To me, that makes sense. You have one champion representing the world, and you have one champion representing the United States. Makes sense. Now, if you want to take it a step further... Maybe incorporate the WWE European Championship. Bring that back. I thought that was an interesting little championship that they introduced into WWE, the European Championship. Bring that back. You know, some of the people who um 
and I know um and I know NXT has is they have the UK champion. Just bring that up to the main roster. Why not? As a matter of fact, if you wanna if you wanna get really really serious about this, if you're gonna separate the two brands, if you're just gonna have the WWE main roster and you're gonna have the NXT roster, then let's do it like this. NXT again has the world NXT World Heavyweight Champion or the NXT Champion, the NXT Women's Champion, the NXT Tag Team Champion, and the NXT North American Championship. Keep it like that. If you want to keep it like that. Now, for as far as the main show, you got the World Heavyweight Championship, the Women's Championship, the Tag Team Champion, the United States Championship, the European Championship, so that makes five titles. And then, again... You could bring up the Cruiserweight Championship. You can now a Cruiserweight Championship can either go to the main show or can go in NXT. Either way works fine. Honestly speaking, looking at today's roster, you have a great deal of Cruiserweights on the roster. So that's definitely a title that should be wrestled for a lot more often. And I don't know why it's not. In fact, I can't even remember the last Cruiserweight Championship match I've seen. Like, it's been a minute since I've seen a Cruiserweight Championship match. So, I think it's time to kind of bring that back to the forefront. So, the main... So, most viewers know it still exists. But, again, like I said, if it were up to me, I would definitely get rid of the brand split. Like, I'm hoping at some point it's going to be gone. It's probably not. It's really probably not. But, I would hope that, like, one day it would be gone. So we can like just unify a lot of these championships and just create one big roster so everybody can compete with everybody. You know, so but as far as it stands right now, you know, as far as you know the championship is concerned, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna keep the brand split, I don't even think I talked about this yet. I just went off on a tangent real quick. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but if we're gonna keep the brand split, again, and again, this is what I did in my video. For as far as Raw is concerned, you can have the Raw Heavyweight Champion, the Raw Women's Champion, the Raw Tag Team Champions, the Raw the United States Championship, and that's that. For SmackDown, it should be the SmackDown Heavyweight Champion, the SmackDown Women's Champion, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Intercontinental Championship. If that's what we're going to do, then that's what we should do. Get rid of the whole Universal Championship thing. Get rid of that. And I think a lot of people can agree with me. Get rid of that name. Just call it the SmackDown SmackDown Heavyweight Championship. That's all you need to do. You know, if we're going to have these things be separate brands, then make them be separate brands. You know, Raw and SmackDown. Keep it like that. NXT? NXT's fine. I'm not even worried about too much. I'm not too worried about NXT too much. So, NXT is okay. Number two. And this is probably one of, this is probably a big important one. I mean, a lot of these are important, but this is one of the big ones that I can think of. We, in 2020, have to redefine what kayfabe is. And that just, and to me, just means simply making social media adjustments. For those of you guys who don't know, kayfabe is a term which originally originated in the circus. That's where it originated from. But it's, considered, but it's now considered a professional or, rest, or wrestling entertainment term, which simply means not necessarily basically not letting people in on what's behind the curtain so to speak it, it's like it's almost a mixture of not letting people see what's behind the curtain but also at the same time not 
kind of necessarily break the fourth wall, which is which is a, is a little is a little more of the former than the latter. I mean, wrestlers are meant to break the fourth wall because we're the viewing audience, so they are supposed to speak to us. But the idea is that they're not supposed to really see what goes on backstage. Now, the now a reason why I say social media adjustments is because because of the rise of social media, a lot of the talent on WWE, you know, they have Twitter accounts, they have Instagram, Facebook, you know, the biggest thing right now is people's Twitch accounts. That's been a big that's been a big issue for the past month or so. I know Vince McMahon is trying to basically, I don't want to say commandeer people's Twitch accounts, but he's trying to almost regulate them as a part of like him being part of their contract or something like that, something like that, which is interesting because as we all know, at least in the WWE, the talent on the WWE roster are considered independent contractors. They're not, I mean, granted they do sign a contract. You know, so they are employed by the WWE, but, you know, they are kind of supposed to be independent contractors. It, it, it's very weird. It, it, it's really weird. It makes no sense. It's really ridiculous. But all that being said, the rise of social media allowed a lot of us into their world and into their private lives, which, again, if, that's, if you as a WWE talent, if that's okay with you, then that's cool with you. Go ahead, do all that. But what I do still see, what I do see a lot of, is I, I, I still I still see a lot of fans of professional wrestling where it's to quote the term, it's still real for them. Damn it, it's still real for them. So I jump I jump on Facebook and I'm a, I'm a part of a couple of wrestling fan groups on Facebook and I see a lot of people, you know. Sharing their disgust for Roman Reigns at being a heel and they don't like where it's going, you know, things like that. And in the beginning, it bothered me because, like, you guys do know it's all scripted, right? None of this is real. This is a, it's literally, I mean, the best, the best way professional wrestling was described as is basically a soap opera for men. I mean, technically, it's a soap opera for men, women, and children, but it's technically more a soap opera. For men. So. If we want to keep. Like so. I Like that's kind of. That's, 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 at the end of the day. That's the reaction you want to get out of people. You want people to be upset. At this character. Because of the way they are being portrayed. But. It kind of doesn't help. When. The person is being this way. On. The program, but yeah, you jump to their Instagram and they're just all chilling out, hanging out together. Now we all pretty much figured that a lot of the talent, they a lot of them are good friends. They hang out with each other. They travel. They, these people are up and down the road. They're flying across the country, you know, year after year after year. A lot of these people are at the end of the day good friends with each other when the cameras are all off. But. If you kind of want to make, if you want to maintain that illusion of separating the character from the performer, then again, you have to redefine what kayfabe means. And I think if you redefine it, it can kind of help you better continue your product. Now, again, 
if you, I mean, one way you can kind of help it along the way, maybe have a, maybe have the performers create separate accounts. Maybe they have a character, maybe they have an account as their character. For instance, like, let's say, you know, you, you have, you have Braun Strowman, who is the character, but then you have Adam Shear, who is the performer. He is, he's Braun Strowman. So maybe, and maybe this is something WWE creative can do. Create, create a, you know, create it so like, you know, all the performers on there have two separate accounts. They have the character's account, social media account, and then they have the um, performer's social media account. The performers where you can see all, like, you know, how they, uh, you know, how they live, you know, family pictures, things like that, hanging out with their friends and stuff. But then you have the character's account where it shows how, like, you know, whether they are a face or they are a heel, this is how they act when they are not in the wrestling ring. It may seem like a lot. But I honestly think it would kind of help the brands a little bit better in solidifying or keeping in continuity with what their characters are doing. That way, you don't have to worry about the lines being being blurred because, you know, you can't see, you can't be out here looking at Roman Reigns playing with his kids, but then Roman Reigns gets on TV and he's beating his cousin down, you know. So, and again... Those of, us, those of us who can make that dichotomy, is it's not going to be too hard for us. We understand that what he's doing in the ring is what his character is doing. But we know in the actuality, he, this guy's a father of five kids, and he's just making a living. And sometimes that gets written into the story, and it works for some people, but it doesn't work for everybody. But for those, who've, for those where it's still real for them, you got to kind of try to find a way to keep their engagement going so maybe that's something that they can look into that's what i would do you know just create a scenario where there's just like two different personas online because it so that way you know you can kind of keep the story going and stuff like that so you don't have situations where wrestlers are like shooting up the middle finger at a fan at a at a autograph signing not realizing but that's what the character is supposed to be like the character is a dick to kids, so you just got to keep that going. And my number one, my number one, the number one thing that I think WWE can do to survive the next decade is, is very simple. Hand it over to Triple H. And I know I'm not the only one that said this, but honestly, it's probably the best thing for business right now is just to hand it over to him. What he did with NXT is phenomenal you know he turned a small little promotion that's an extension of the main brand and he created a product that garners more fans than the main show again you have to remember we're talking about a guy who's been a wrestler his whole career he started out as a wrestler he wasn't a businessman before that the business side came after that you know when he decided that he didn't need to be in the ring anymore he decided to turn his I to the business side of things, to the behind the scenes stuff. In my honest opinion, for something like this, that kind of works better, in my opinion, as opposed to being a businessman who's trying to jump into the world of wrestling, which is what Vince, Vince McMahon did. Now, granted, 
Vince McMahon did a pretty good job of a lot of the matches he's been in, and the storytelling was great. Don't get me wrong. Some of it's been missed. Some of his some of his storylines been missed, but some of them have been his, especially his longtime feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Great stuff. It's just great stuff. So it's a different story when you're a businessman trying to jump into the realm of professional wrestling as opposed to being a professional wrestler trying to jump into the realm of a businessman. You know, you know what it's like to be on a roll, to be away from your family for 360 days out of the year, to perform in this country, in this country, this state, this state, to go all over the place, to put your body on the line, you know, taking so many bumps and bruises and stuff like that. You understand what it's like. So when you jump into the suit and jump into the behind the scenes stuff, you have a better idea of how to navigate and preserve not only your wrestlers, but to preserve your product. That's why, to me, it makes the most sense to hand it over to Triple H as opposed to Vince McMahon handing it over to his kids, Stephanie and Shane. And nothing against them. Nothing against Stephanie and Shane. I mean, Shane himself kind of fancies himself a wrestler also. He puts himself in a lot of um, bit of um, bad spots as well. He's probably put himself in more worse spots than Vince McMahon has. And Stephanie McMahon... She's just a business dynamo, so, you know, Triple H being married to Stephanie McMahon and them becoming a power couple, to me, kind of makes sense. It, it just does. But I wouldn't give it to them because, again, they spent a lot more time behind the scenes. You know, yes, they've, they have a rapport with a lot of their talent, but, you know, Triple H was one of them. Technically, he still is one of them at heart. He's still one of the talent. So he understands a great deal what a lot of these guys go through. So, you know, whether it's something where Vince McMahon retires, because honestly speaking, someone like Vince McMahon, he's probably going to be alive for a minute. I don't, I don't see Vince McMahon dying anytime soon. That dude's probably going to live for like another 10 to 15 years. Okay. Vince McMahon is going to be here for a minute. But that's not to say that he's that he's because he's getting up there in age. He's getting up there. So at some point, he's going to have to relinquish the reins to somebody else. And while it would make sense for him to relinquish it to his actual blood relatives, his son and daughter, to me, it makes sense to relinquish it to someone who actually has been in the business for a long time, who's been in the ring day in and day out performing for people and understands the trials and tribulations that go with it. So it makes sense for me to, to me. It just makes sense for them to hand it over to Triple H again, just based on what he did with NXT. Imagine what he can do with the whole entire product if it was given to him. And again, I mean, we see how he was when he was part of the authority. We've seen how that was. Maybe he doesn't even have to do that. Maybe he can just be Again, he can be the Vince McMahon type, but that doesn't have to be included in everything. Because as you can see now, he doesn't he doesn't do that now. He NXT is his baby, but he's not on it all the time. He doesn't need to be. So I think handing it over to Triple H would definitely be the best thing for WWE to do in order to survive the next decade. That that's that's just my opinion. Um a few minor changes I would do to WWE to, you know, keep it going for the next decade is a couple of things. Like I said, I've already mentioned this before and I'll mention it again. Get rid of the brand split. Get rid of it. 
get rid of it, be done with it, no more, just combine both rosters because both rosters combined would make it big enough. Honestly speaking, once the pandemic hit, that's when they should have did it. That was exactly when the brand shit should have ended. I mean, they could have ended it at the draft. They could have just hit us with a swerve and be like, this draft, we are announcing that we are getting rid of the brand, brand split. And both rosters are combined. You know, um, I, um, I just watched um, Adam Blumpy's um, video the other day. And he, and he, and he basically booked how the WWE would go if Vince McMahon, he said dies, but he, but he retracted and saying Vince McMahon essentially retires. And it's ironic that, you know, my number one, which is being, which is handing the reins over to Triple H was his, one of his main selling points was just hand the reins over to Triple H. You know, he had gone on to say. And he, and cause he's the same thing as he's the same way as me. He doesn't like the brand split either. I, I, I hate, you don't understand how much I hate the brand split. I really do. I hate this idea that we have two world champions when the world heavyweight championship should just be one person. The women's champion should just be one person. There should only be one set of tag team champions. There should be one set of women's tag team champions. There should just be one set. I've said before that if they were to, if they were going to keep the brand split, at the very least, let's just keep one set of champions. Like in my in my eyes, if you're the champion, you have carte blanche to go wherever you want. If you want to go compete on Raw, you can go ahead. If you want to go compete on SmackDown, you can go ahead. You can complete you can compete on any brand you want because you hold the championship. Whether you're the World Heavyweight Championship, the Women's Champion, the Tag Team Champions, Intercontinental United States, doesn't matter. If you are the champion, you can have free reign to go compete with wherever, with whoever you want. In my mind, that's how that works. Because in real life, that's what happens when you're a world champion. You can compete with anybody else. It doesn't matter where you want to go. You can go anywhere. But... I, I would love for the brand split to be done with only because it would combine the rosters and everyone would have a chance to compete with everybody else. That's what I would done. I mean, so that's one of the things. I would drop Raw back to two hours because three, hour, three hours is a long time. And a lot of times, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one, I find myself almost not paying attention to. I, I, I probably pay attention to maybe 70% of what's happening on Raw. And that's only if it's interesting. The other percent, I'm probably focused on something else. As opposed to SmackDown, which is still just two hours. I'm finding myself watching the program and then I'm looking at the time and it's almost over. And I'm like, oh snap, this, this is almost over. You'd, I would rather you want to leave the people hanging on for more than having people just sit there being tired and asking yourself, when is this going to end? When is the show going to be over? So that's what I would do. In fact, or do this, you know, and this is something Adam Blumpy talked about. You know, if you're going to keep Raw three hours, at least have the first two hours be about what's actually happening in the program. Then for the last hour, you can devote that to some of the nostalgia stuff. Honestly speaking, I probably... I mean, I said I would do that, but I probably wouldn't do that because that's what the WWE Network is for. 
you can that's where all the nostalgia stuff is so if anything you can probably air specials in that last hour you know maybe i mean i know talking i know raw talk and talking smack are on like the wwe network but maybe that's what you can do that can be like not not the halftime panel or something like that but like the after show discussion you know that's where you could talk about the things that went on during the program you could probably do the same thing for smackdown if you wanted to and squeeze in another hour into smackdown do the same thing too. put talking smack at the end of smackdown and you could talk about everything that went down during the show or if not just basically keep it on the wwe network but i would definitely drop raw back to two hours because three hours is too long of a show to try to keep up with a lot of stuff if you don't have a lot of things happening the only time a show would be three hours is if it's one of those special event shows like say it's the king of the ring now it's three hours on this special the special three hour version of raw we're hosting the king of the ring or we're hosting the great american bash or we're hosting the elimination chamber things where because we, we're in a situation where some of the shows are too long than they need to be a lot of these pay-per-views are too long than they need to be like what they did with wrestlemania this year was a brilliant idea honestly speaking i don't know why they never did that before instead of making it like a five hour show make it a two-day show saturday and sunday make wrestlemania a whole weekend experience Really, that's what WrestleMania is in the first place. Because the Saturday night, when you have, they have the Hall of Fame, you have the Hall of Fame ceremony, things like that, and then Sunday you have the main show. Just do that, you know. Do something like that. Make it a make it a full weekend experience, you know. Because I guarantee you right now, like not this year's WrestleMania. I think last year's WrestleMania that was like six hours. Why am I gonna sit there for six hours and watching some matches that I don't really care about? So I think that would make the most sense. You know, keep like something like WrestleMania, that should probably be the only event that's two days. But certain other pay-per-views, you can drop those down to just being on houses, whether it's on Raw or whether it's on SmackDown. Just do that. Like just do a week of like just do like a pay-per-view week. So on Raw, we're gonna have so like let's say Raw, we're gonna do like the King of the Ring. SmackDown, we're gonna do King of the Ring Part 2 or something like that. Or let's say on Monday, we're going to do Elimination Chamber. On SmackDown, we're going to do Hell in a Cell. Or something like that. You know, something to kind of break up the monotony of having to sit there for long hours and watching a show that some of the matches I don't really, really even care for. You know, but, you know, like I said, get rid of the brand split. Drop Raw back down to two hours to save yourself trouble. Um, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm, I think those are just some of the little things that I would do to help you know WWE survive the next decade. So again, just a quick rundown. We have to book better. Booking has to get better for the show, for the program. We have to WWE has to focus on not trying to appeal for to every single fan. You can't do that in today's world. You just can't. Some people are going to like certain aspects of your product and some people aren't. So you got to figure out which works best 
that's going to garner the most attention, so to speak, but it's not going to garner everyone's attention because you're not going to get it. Separate the athletes from the actors. If the person who's on the roster is a good physical performer, then they should be doing a lot of matches at high like that. If the person is a good character actor, then you got to highlight that. Like one of the things I look back at, and I know a lot of people have their reservations about this from last, from WrestleMania, but the Boneyard match and the Firefly Flunhouse match are fantastic. And honestly speaking, those are some things that the, those are some things that WWE should have been doing a long time ago. If you have a character based character based performer like the Undertaker or like Roman Reigns, no, not Roman Reigns, the Undertaker or Bray Wyatt, play into their wheelhouse. I mean, and we spent a lot of years with the Undertaker. He's had a lot of gimmick matches, the casket match, the Inferno match, all these different types of matches, the Buried Alive match. Like, and I know the reason why they did these matches is really because of the pandemic. I know that's why they did them, but I honestly think they should lean into that some more. You know, the Firefly Funhouse is a good, that's, that's a, that's good storytelling, you know, especially the, um, the Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena. It was perfect. It was basically a rundown of his whole entire career. It's great. It's perfect. The Boneyard match, again, it kind of plays into Undertaker's both personas as the dead man and the American badass. It was good. I say do more matches like that, depending on what kind of character you're working with. Now, the only really character-driven performer you have right now is Bray Wyatt. That's the only one you got. But if you ever garner more talent like that, like, for instance, let's look at Retribution for the, for, for a little bit. You know, Retribution is supposed to, Retribution was supposed to be like the Nexus, where they were coming in to establish their dominance as better performers than their main roster. And look what's happening to them. They got squashed twice in one night. That 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 that, that doesn't make any sense. That's that's bad for business. So let's build them up as a more substantial faction and create something around them. Like WCW created a pay-per-view around the NWO. I mean, like you know, Eric Bischoff was a complete idiot. He knew what he was doing. So, to me, that would make the most sense. You know, placate to your character our actors and highlight your very athletic performers. And again, it goes back to letting creative be creative. Let creative come up with these outlandish and wild stories and stuff. Let them do that. If it doesn't work, you can tweak it. And if it does, you can keep it going. But you gotta give it time. You gotta give it time to gel so it can work. And part of that is also kind of like I said before, leaving the legends in the Hall of Famers where they are. They are legends in Hall of Famers for a reason. Let them stay there. We can't keep relying on them to push new talent, even though it's not necessarily a bad thing. We want to try to let the talent get over on their own. Again, I go back to Roman Reigns and his Tribal Chief um, story arc. It's perfect. It's great. Roman Reigns definitely makes a better heel than he does a face. And sometimes you have to recognize that. You got to recognize who plays a better bad guy than they play a good guy. John Cena, he was at, he, he was a pretty good heel. His um, Dr. Th- Th- Thugonomics um, um, character, 
Great. Everybody loved him. He was a white boy who was rapping. His rhymes weren't all that great, but they were insulting. So it was funny. But then when you were branding him with the hustle, loyalty, respect, when you they were branded him as pretty much the modern day Hulk Hogan, the only people who gravitated that were women, women and kids. Adult adults, adult men didn't really gravitate toward it because we've seen that before. We Hulk Hogan still does that. Even though he's not on TV, that's still Hulk Hogan. So, you know, it's not going to really resonate with a lot of people. And I know I said women and kids, but even some of them don't really gravitate to it like that. You know, the whole let's go Cena, Cena sucks, that exists for a reason. You know, um, again, we got to stop playing out the women's division because a lot of women on the roster are killing it right now, especially in NXT. And... I'm really surprised a lot of women from NXT haven't been called up, but at the same time, I do know why. A lot of them are staying there because they're doing better there than they are than they would in the main roster. It's for the reason why Ember Moon went back to NXT, because she would fare better there than she did on the main roster. Like, I don't think Ember Moon has touched the Women's Championship at all on the main roster. That doesn't make any sense. So, for her to go back to NXT, I don't blame her for that. Hell, I don't blame... Finn Balor for going back to the NXT. I don't blame him for that either. To me, if you're going to go to a brand where you're going to do better at, and that's what they did. Um, Again, if we are going to keep the brand split, which is obviously something that they're going to be doing, you know, at least make the titles brand oriented. Like, for the love of God, please get rid of the Universal Championship. It, it it just sounds dumb on the face of it. We knew we knew that when it was introduced to us like two years ago, that it was dumb on. The, you could tell by Mick Foley's face that he wasn't feeling that. Nobody is. You introduce a big old red strap belt that says Universal Champion on it. <laughs> weak. It's weak. It's weak sauce. You know, the World Heavyweight Championship is one that's always been a mainstay for WWE so just keep it that way like I said before if you're gonna do a brand split brand your titles too it should be raw titles and Smackdown titles like I know a lot of people were slightly disappointed in the fact that the raw tag team champions and the Smackdown tag team champions didn't battle each other I'm like why do they need to battle each other honestly it just made sense for them to just switch titles they're on different brands now makes sense Again, limit the pay-per-views to certain TV shows. Like, again, special episodes of Raw, special episodes of SmackDown, just like what NXT is doing, just have those certain events on there. We don't have to have a pay-per-view every month, because honestly, and I'll be honest with I'll be completely honest with you, I haven't been watching a lot of them. I, I can't remember the last pay-per-view I watched. I can't, because there's just too many. I'm not going to sit there every month and watch a pay-per-view. That's too much time, especially if there's matches on it that I don't really care about. So, I'd rather see it on TV than anything else. Again, special three-hour episode of SmackDown, special three-hour episode of Raw. Just do it like that. Keep it moving. Again, redefine kayfabe. We have to redefine kayfabe to a point where people, not just diehard fans, but other people understand that, you know, the character of Roman Reigns and the character of Joseph and Hawaii are completely different people. You know, 
Stone Cold Steve Austin and Steve Austin are completely different characters. Well, well that's debatable. Stone Cold Steve Austin may be himself in real life. We don't know that. The Rock and Dwayne Johnson. He did that himself. He made sure he separated those two personas. The Rock and Dwayne Johnson. This is The Rock, the professional wrestler. And then you have Dwayne Johnson, the actor. He made sure he did that. It just makes sense to me. And then, of course, all of this would probably come to fruition if we just hand the reins over to Triple H. Just give it to him. I've been very impressed with Triple H over the past five years or so with what he's done, not only with NXT, but with the main brand himself when he's allowed to do things. It just makes sense. So that's what I would do. I would just give it to him. But, ladies and gentlemen, these are some of the things that I would do. Or these are some of the things that I think WWE can do can do to survive the next decade. There's still a lot more life left in it. And there's always people that are trying to get into WWE. There's still a lot of people that are trying to get into it. So we got to, I mean, in order for WWE to survive, they got to make some evolutionary changes in order to really stand out and keep moving forward. So hopefully, you know, that's something that can happen in the long run. All that being said, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Um, again, like, share, comment, and subscribe. Give me a follow. Again, if you don't know where to find me, all that stuff will be in the description box. My social media tags, addresses, where you can find me on audio, things like that. You know, you can always give yourselves a listen. Um, tune into my next show. And my next show, I am going to be talking about certain properties that have been stuck in development hell and how I might be able to get them out of it. I mean, I'm not an expert, but there are certain things that have been sitting on the development hell shelf that in 2020 probably could have been made right now with just the right maneuvering and stuff, but that'll be my next show. And thanks again. Um, oh my God, I really just forgot that we are in the month of November right now. It's still early in the month of November, so... At some point, I will be doing another interview. I'm just trying to find my next interview guest. So be on the lookout for that later on in the month. And I will catch you guys next time. I'm out. Peace.